0: So hello, and welcome to the December 2021 edition of No Diagnostic Required, a monthly look at what's happening in the C++ community with me, Phil Nash, and my co-host Anastasia Kazakova. How are you doing this year, Anastasia?
1: Um, good, good. Actually, I'm back from the Verlang holidays, and that's not the excuse uh-huh. we're doing the episode that late. <laughs> So yeah, had a great holidays time, actually was was actually playing with a very nice thing. I don't know if you catch the talk by Michael Chase at CBPCon um, in 2021, but he was talking about how to teach kids uh, to get into programming, to get into like some STEM products. And he was sharing the information about the very nice microcontroller called Microbit. And I actually got one for my kid, for my son and... I was playing um, the microcontroller with him together during the whole holiday. So it's actually based on Nordic Semiconductor. So it's quite a good microcontroller and it has a very nice, um, you know, Visual environment to code called make code, but you can also switch to JavaScript or Python. I also found like the Rust crate for it. Um, Haven't uploaded it, just decided not to do that right now. Maybe it's early. (laughs) But anyway, it's fun. Like you can use the uh, like programming blocks or you can use the programming language and you can do quite many things with it. So we got a car which is running by the flow and it can draw things. And so it was like, yeah, it was cool. So actually, thanks to Michael for a very practical talk. From <laughs> Um, Probably one of the most practical from the last conference to me.
0: Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I did get a, a Raspberry Pi for my daughter a few years ago for similar reasons, but we didn't get very far when, when I found out that I couldn't really solder anymore for some reason. <laughs> I think I screwed it up.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, <But> well. <laughs> maybe I'll try the micro bit next time. Yeah, it's nice. <laughs> okay. Well, as usual, we have quite a lot to, to get through, so let's get started. In fact, talking about the new year, we have a new year in, well, last year in review on C++ Stories. Do you want to tell us about this one?
1: Yeah, actually, like the last day of 2021, Barotech from C++ Stories posted the final report about the state of C++ and its ecosystem in 2021. He actually does that regularly. So there are several reports from the past years. So, And by the way, if you're not subscribed to his newsletter, it's quite informative and very interesting. So you probably should do that. So among many things mentioned there, it's worth highlighting the like final picture of the C++ standard conformance in the major compilers, so like GCC, Clang and Microsoft compiler. And it's a very nice observation I got there. So actually 2021 became the year when the work on all three standards in parallel was happening, like C17 was finalized in all three major compilers. C20 is definitely a work in progress. There's still a lot to do, but there are a lot was accomplished during this year. And finally, C23, like which is under discussion, it's already in some kind of an active development in the like modern compilers. And that's actually great that they're handling free. Versions in peril. <laughs> now nah, that sounds good. Like um, they have some impressive things of C plus plus twenty three actually implemented already. So I was glad to see that. And like yeah, so from the standards perspective, you can learn from the article about like all these major things coming, or uh, at least you know highly possible in C plus um, plus twenty three. So. Yeah, and I found kind of a quote very interesting there. So while many people in the community they are quite inspired by how the um, language evolves and how the C plus plus twenty three, for example, will look like, but the Niko Youcis uh, in his command to the report he actually highlighted a problem mentioned by some members in the community already that uh, like. He talks about lack of bug fixes in the language and like the raw features added without the possibility to fix them because of the backward compatibilities, ABI and all this stuff. So uh, it's kind of interesting. I mean, like not everything is that positive in terms of the comments, uh, but at least that's um, an interesting observation we should definitely like pay attention to. And that's definitely was the year of tooling. And I'm really happy of that because like, yeah, I'm a tooling person, you know that. Um, like the C++ ecosystem got many significant updates and like there are many popular tools like IDEs, compilers and code analyzers evolving like the compilers for sure. I mentioned already that they got like this work on three major versions. There is also a growing popularity of the Clang family tools like um, the Clang power tools, for example, uh, which landed as a you know, free Visual Studio extension. I think we discussed that in some episodes uh, during the year. And also like the 64-bit Visual Studio, also discussed that a couple of times, I guess. And like uh, remote development features developed by many, uh, including JetBrains, and we got a huge release on that in the end of the year. Like source was also developing a few new things like the Sonalint plugin for C Line. Yeah, hey. <laughs> and actually many, many others. And it was the one thing I didn't know about... I I somehow missed that. I don't know how. Is the Compile Explorer new feature that has a great update mm. in 2021 and actually added support for compiling multiple files with CMake? So, hey, is it a new ID, Matt? <laughs> you already have others. <laughs> but yeah, it's actually good that you can, you know, take several files um, mapped with the CMake and work with them in the Compile Explorer, not with just, you know, one single example you're playing with. So you can build something more complicated, add some library and like do some interesting stuff there that's good uh so the report also like lists the some notable c++ books published through the years. actually quite many of them so we i guess we talked about the uh like correct lines book but there are like uh, many others and also it's mentioning all the events uh, and we'll we'll talk about uh, it later today so there's like various community surveys held in 2021 and uh, so the offer like bardic also presented the result of the survey he as usual run in the end of the year uh, among his audience like for his blog and newsletter so and there are like a few interesting trends there uh, which more or less matches the results of the uh, jetbrains developer ecosystem and C++ plus foundation light service so it's not a big surprise, but it's some good results by the end of the year. So like, first of all, yeah, C++ is still popular and loved, which is good. <laughs> uh, and C++ 17 is uh, like, it grows its popularity. So it's used now by 66% of the respondents. So it's quite a lot. Uh, and developers like moved f- from trying some C++ 17 features to actually using them in the production, which I think is more important because like if you try on a Thai project, that's one thing. Thing. But if you do something in production, that means you really appreciate the standard and start using it actively. So it's yeah. something about 56% or even more for those who are trying C 17 to use it in the production. And there are like nearly 13% that are using C20 in the production, which is great because the state of the compilers is still not, you know, fully compatible, at least uh, for the first part of the year definitely was the case now it's much better but still so there are like major features not fully supported still so but yeah actually it's it's a good number and yeah so i was also very happy to see line in the top 3 id's I'm like excluding the tax editors, say, in the top three, which is still popular. But anyway, yeah. So um, as I said, no big surprises in the results, but it's just good to see that the trends we saw in the previous reports in the beginning of the year, in the foundation survey and the DEFECA survey, they're still growing in the same direction. So it's kind of good news for us. Um, I don't know, what's the best thing happened to you, Phil, in terms of C++ in 2021? <laughs>
0: Well, obviously, from, from my personal perspective, since I joined SonaSource, it, it did jump out to me that the SonaSource <laughs> tools were mentioned there. So that, that was good to see. But uh, no, it did strike me from reading through that there was quite a lot that happened, considering it was still another you know, largely lockdown year, maybe because everyone is at home and, and potentially even um, not working as much as, as they have been before. But some of us have been working more than, <laughs> than before, so I'm not sure, really. Uh, maybe it's just the timing of things. That was uh, a yeah. particularly interesting point about the free the concurrent standards being worked on in the in all three major compilers. Uh, it's not really something I'd thought of before we put it like that. so yeah, an interesting year in, in many respects. Yeah <laughs> Okay, talking of interesting years, we, we have some uh, conference news uh, as usual. so C++ now have uh, opened what well, they opened their call for papers last month we may have mentioned it then. that That's coming up towards the end of this month, going to be uh, closing. So if you haven't already submitted a talk and you want to, do do that now. Just to remind you, that's going to be an in-person event again. So the last couple of years they've been, um, well, the last year they were online. But um, it, it is one of those events that you really, really need to be there in person to fully appreciate it. So it's, uh, it's a pretty special environment, even if uh, not everyone can get there. It's uh, it's got- a little bit remote and, and quite expensive. But if you can, you do have the opportunity, then then do think about that. Um, anything you want to say about C++ now?
1: Yeah, actually, that's one of my favorite C++ event for the year. Um, kind of the most academic in some sense, but the most interesting and, like, that's the event where you definitely learn a lot. And probably I learned the most at this event. Uh, unfortunately, I won't be able to join. Um, still, like, there are some, like, issues I can't overcome, Uh, but anyway, so that's the great event. So if you have a chance to join, you definitely should. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And it's uh, great to see that their like submission is now opened and so you can try and submit and maybe try and speak there, which is also great. I like, I enjoyed speaking at C++ now a lot. So you have a huge slot and that feeling when you talk about the thing and the audience actually knows. Much better, when you're talking about. And they're actively commenting on that. And then there is some dialogue happening in the audience. And you're just, Mm -hmm. you know, stand there on stage and kind of listening and learning. That's a little bit um, unusual experience in terms of the conference, when usually a speaker is like m- much more experienced in his or her topic, yeah. and like the speakers are usually trying to teach some new things to the audience, but like that's not the case at C++ Now quite often. So, and I enjoyed that, so yeah, I was happy to speak there. <laughs>
0: yeah. And if you want to hear a bit more about the, the history and spirit of C++ Now, the episode of CPP Chat that we did just recently with uh, John Carb, of course, uh, my co-host there. Uh, we had Dave Abrahams on, who is now back in the C++ community. And he was uh, the the founder of C++ Now, handed yeah. it over to John. So that was a really interesting discussion. And not just for that reason, but uh, uh, I'll let you listen to that one to find out more.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Now, talking of founding conferences... The next one (laughs) is one that I founded, C++ on C. So that's going to be running 4th to 7th of July. Uh, Again, we're going to be trying to be in-person first. There will be an online component as well. So it's a a hybrid, but more focused on the in-person event. Of course, that's assuming that's still going to be possible by then. But we've just opened the the call for speakers. So you go to the cpponc.uk page now the The top post is the, the call for speakers, and that will take you through all the information about that and everything that's involved. So uh, again, that's going to be running until the beginning of February. I think it's the sixth of February, if I remember rightly. So not that much time to to get your submission in there. And that well, anything you want to say about C plus plus and C?
1: Yeah, and I think you have the keynote speakers already confirmed. So maybe you can share it with that us. Is,
0: <laughs> that is true. Yes, so we've got uh, Hannah Dusikova. Who was meant to have keynoted two years ago, just before the yeah. <laughs> living closed down. So uh, she has now agreed to come back. Uh, Kevin Henney, who currently holds the record for the highest number of views for C on C Talk on YouTube. And, uh, and Jason Turner, who uh, probably needs no introduction to, to this audience. So a great lineup of keynote speakers. And I'm sure it's going to be a great lineup of uh, conference speakers as well. But that's up to you. So get your submissions in now.
1: Yeah that, that's a good promotion so you can join them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. These are the great speakers for the keynotes and you can be with them. yeah that, that, that is a good. good
0: point actually that obviously we you know we, we want our fair share of, of experienced uh, top profile speakers, but we also want to hear from new voices, people that are just uh, starting out or have a different perspective, different backgrounds. so don't feel like you know conference speaking is not for you if you want to give it a try. Put, put your submission in C++ on c if you need help doing so drop me a line I'll uh, I'll find some way to help
1: yeah will you use the same place you used uh, like a couple of years ago yeah for the off-site event
0: yes yeah in Folkestone the okay. uh, Lee's cliff Hall. it's uh, built into the cliffs so you do literally look out over the sea on on three sides in fact if you're in the main conference area so yeah, here it is a uh, it's a nice venue. And when we were there in person before, that was uh, February, which in the UK is not, <laughs> yeah. not the best time of the year to be looking out over the sea. I mean, it's still quite, quite interesting. But this time we're going to be in the middle of the summer. So looking forward to that.
1: Should be better. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed it that time, uh, even though the weather was not that good. But I guess it was some kind of a classical uh, UK weather, at least yeah. what you usually learn from the books. O- authentic, uh, but- I think we call it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In that sense. But I kind of enjoyed that. So we had a kind of um, couple of days off there with my husband, and we were working around. And so it was good. So uh, the place is fine. And it's really interesting. And you can go to some close, um, small, uh, like villages or like places of interest and find some uh, interesting thing around. So um, yeah, you probably should think about some kind of a field trip, you know, similar to what CBP can usually does there in Folkestone. It might work. I mean, the yeah. place is great.
0: We'll definitely think yeah. about it.
1: Yeah. But again, unfortunately I won't be able to join you, So, which is sad because I really would like to, So, but hopefully mm. in a couple of years. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Appreciate that by then it's still not going to be possible for everyone to make it, but I think at least the UK and most of Europe uh, should have that opportunity. Yeah, but huh? that
1: means the competition for the talk submission is like less. <laughs>
0: Good thing. Well, we'll see. We'll see again. It's your chance yeah. to to prove prove us wrong.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> now, talking of new conferences, it, I mean that's three years old now, but um, brand new conference is C North, which is going to be in Toronto in Canada. But we did mention this briefly last month, just after C on C. Actually, I think there's only one one clear week between them, so July seventeenth to twentieth. And uh their call for speakers will open on, I believe it's the twenty-fourth of January. Yeah, yeah. So just uh just a couple of weeks. So yeah, um, if you if you think you can get to that, then here's your chance to uh, submit a talk there as well. And they are gonna be running their call for speakers system on the same system that c and c uses. So if you submit to both, it will look quite familiar. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and it's actually a fully off-site event with uh, Sean Parent and Kate Gregory confirmed as their first speakers. So yeah, that's also a good company.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Kate was um, the I think the opening keynote for the first C plus plus on C, in fact. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she's um, moving into these opening keynote venue conferences. scene, I think <laughs> cornering that market. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Was that the talk about the naming? Uh, yes. From her? Yeah, I believe so. Okay. Yeah, I remember that. That's one of my favorite. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. And uh, C Russia. I, I'm sure that's something.
1: Yeah, yeah, I can come out of that since like, yeah, I'm a member of the program committee. So actually, like in Russia, the situation is still unstable. So we decided uh, not to take the risks. So we're still doing the online event. But the good point is that you can join us from uh, any every, any place in the world. So you can submit and join us online. So And we usually try to schedule the conference in the way that we have um, sessions in the morning and the other days we have them in the evening. Uh, by Moscow time, which means the people from United States, for example, can find some comfortable slots. Um, so, when we usually have, like, yeah, international speakers, and especially those from U.S. grouped at these, you know, days in the evenings, so when they have, like, early mornings, um, so, yeah. Anyway, so we have the tracks in Russian and English, so that's kind of an international event with a good lineup. We quite often have lots of international speakers. We had a great talk by Titus last uh, last time we did the conference. Um, and yeah, actually, you should know that we moved the event to June this time, so it was uh, in November, and now it will be in June, and... From the perspective of the time frame, so we decided to schedule it right now once per year. Previously, we had two events per year when we especially were having the off events. But right now we'll have just one event for the next year and it will be in the beginning of June. So uh, hopefully we're not conflicting with any other conferences. We checked the uh, this ISO, uh, CPP schedule for many, many times before setting the date. So anyway, the call for paper is open and running and it will be open till March 24. First, so you still have lots of time to submit, um, and yeah, so everyone is very welcome to submit. We like uh, many many topics, and like there is usually a good variety, and good uh, diversity of the topics we we do accept. So yeah, I'm just encourage everyone to submit, and so if you're not fully tired of the online events or would like to try some new <laughs> online event, that's probably uh, something you can try. Um, so yeah. That's and all those talks will be in Russian yeah. Uh, there will be talks in Russian there will be talks in English but like yeah (laughs) you can practice both (laughs) usually we have like uh, in parallel we have one track in English and a couple of tracks in Russian so in every time slot you can find a talk in English and you can find a couple of talks in Russian so that's how we try to uh, accomplish that so yeah so
0: you say you've reduced it from the two a year down to the one. Is this the Moscow one or the St. Petersburg one? <laughs>
1: that That's actually the most interesting question because, yeah, Phil touch <laughs> that. So previously we had two events per year and that's how um, the organizers, the Jack who are like hosting the event, are usually organizing their conferences. So they have two events per year for each technological conference they do. One is called like the Moscow event and the other one is the St. Petersburg event. And these are the two biggest cities in, in Russia where we're usually holding uh, the events so that the community could join in um, each cities. So, um but like with the online, it doesn't make any sense. So we we were keeping that naming for a while saying like, okay, online C++ Russia in Petersburg or online C++ Russia Moscow, but that doesn't make any sense. We're even in the same time zone. So uh, we decided just to get rid of the name, <laughs> at least for now while we are online and run it once per year uh, so that we have more time for preparing the beta shuttle, the beta program. And so we can actually like train the speakers we actually does we have to do a lot of trainings for the speakers trying to help those who are new to the uh, presentation skills who are new to you know speaking to the public so that they can uh, learn something and we do a lot of training sessions in a row with every speaker if they wish to so uh, if they need that and we try to work with uh, with the submissions starting working with the Uh, with the potential speakers before we even accept them. So you might get some very valuable feedback even if you're not accepted. So you might run for several sessions if you wish to with us, with the program committee, I mean, and you might get some good feedback, which the next year, for example, you might, you know, handle and submit a talk which uh, is actually accepted. So we had such cases in the past. So, yeah, uh, that's why we decided that uh, once per year is maybe more suitable so that the program committee actually has. Their regular jobs, <laughs> so uh, we need some time to handle uh, all the activities around the conference, yeah. And we also run the podcast with the program committee, which is called Pure Virtual Cast, it's in Russian, but um, like, yeah, it's just the a, uh, a place where we just chat <laughs> with the program committee and some guests sometime. Great, yeah,
0: okay. So, we're um, we're running on a bit long already. And we haven't finished all the conferences yet. So just very quickly going to mention the ACC conference, because I think we did cover it last time. But the the schedule, I believe, is set, but will be announced. Is it next week? Um, yeah. Or?
1: Yeah, somewhere next, I guess, week, so in the coming weeks. So it's already prepared and like as a PC member, I can say that it's great, (laughs) but it's not yet published. So, yeah, they're just the keynotes, uh, speakers announced, like the Guy and Hannah, Patricia, us and Titus. So, yeah, but the full schedule will be quite soon, I guess. So, um, and the conference is running hybrid uh, in the Mm -hmm. beginning of April. So, you can join the off event or you can find join online.
0: Yeah. Right, that's uh, it's always one of my favorite conferences as well, and it helps that it's, it's pretty close to me.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is.
0: Okay, well, uh, one more um item to get through before we get to the standards news. Did you, you pick this one out? The well, there's two articles actually there's the evolution of lambdas, and then there's the evolution of functions in modern C++. So maybe you want (laughs) to take those two together.
1: Yeah, it's interesting to see, you know, uh, two blog posts of this kind uh, in December. Um, I don't think they agreed, <laughs> I mean, the authors with each other to post it. Uh, like the one is from Jonathan Bakara, and the, one, the, one, the other one is like from uh, Marius Bancilla. So, but uh, actually, these are quite good, maybe sometimes quite basic blog posts. But if you would like to summarize your knowledge about lambdas and functions in C and what they are actually capable of and what are the References to maybe some other papers or documents you might find that interesting. So I'm like as always a fan of Jonathan Becker's overview posts, which are kind of, you know, sorting out some basic knowledge in my head on a specific topic. So that what happened with this uh, lambda blog post. So it's summarizing the state of lambdas in C plus plus 14, 17, and 20. And uh it uh just marks some important milestones. Like for example it starts with the lambdas in C fourteen, uh where the C lambdas became very similar to Regular functions and that's quite convenient for you know everyday use because they was added like the default and template parameters. They added uh, the ability to use generalized capture and made it possible to return a lambda from a function. So it just started looking like like a function actually, but not something you know artificial. Uh, with C plus plus seventeen, there were uh, two important milestones uh, which are mentioned in the blog post. First is that the lambdas became available in the context. Uh, context um, uh, evaluated at compile time. It's still like maybe not that practical till C20 when you get you know many Astel algorithms in constexpr mode, but still uh that you can use Lambdas in with constexpr in C17. Uh and the next big enhancement for from C 17 in Lambdas is an ability to capture a copy of a pointer to this. So like it seems small from the very first look, but if you think deeper about it, it actually helps you avoid the undefined behavior and like the unwanted crashes. And there is an example demonstrating that in the Jonathan's blog post. And finally, C20, uh, which also moves lambdas in the directions of the regular functions. So it improves. Uh, how the lambdas look like and added some classical syntax to define templates and capture a phreatic pack of parameters so that you get the similar instruments you get for the functions you get for lambdas as well. And uh, the evolution of functions, actually, that's maybe a little bit more basic, so it's not getting into the details. It also actually mentions lambdas, uh, like things like coroutines, but it's definitely not getting into details on this, so it's mostly uh, listing the things which happened with C++ functions from pre-C++ 11 actually. To the more in C20. So you can also learn what was added with each standard and see how the functions evolved with uh, things changed around the functions. So, and yeah, I think that's uh, all what I was going to say about it. So I don't know, Phil, if you uh, checked the blog post or have some opinion about that.
0: So I didn't really read these these ones in depth, uh, I will admit. But um, they did remind me of a, a talk by uh, Rainer Grimm. That's actually very good. Uh, the, the same sort of approach, really, just following the evolution of functions through lambdas and onto co-routing. So that was m- more weighted towards co uh, mm-hmm. if I remember rightly. It goes into more depth there. So a bit of a compliment to to these ones. But I always love these uh, language evolution posts because um, sometimes you can you can forget all the stages <laughs> through through the history that uh, that things went through. Even things that we take for granted. Yeah. It's uh, just nice to to review those. And, and sometimes you think, oh yeah, I missed that, or I forgot about that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I just want to print them, you know, and to put them on the wall <laughs> in my workplace, just, you know, to check the things out. Like, when was this thing added?
0: <laughs> yeah. And I, I didn't catch whether either of the articles mentioned the possibility of abbreviated lambda syntax that um, we're looking at at the moment.
1: I don't think it was mentioned there.
0: That but be the next stage were... of evolution.
1: Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably there will be a follow-up. But, you know, uh, we, we we can imagine here what would be the next steps for lambdas in 2023, 20, 2026 and further.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think abbreviated lambdas might be that that big yeah. step. Uh, we, we talked about them in the context of uh, contracts, in fact, a couple of months mm-hmm. ago, if I remember rightly. Yeah. So I'll, I'll try and put a link back to that. Which is um, actually a good lead into the next section, our uh, standards news roundup. So... Uh, another another busy month. I've got to uh, just pull out a few, few highlights, including some things we looked at before that are continuing. So the the portable assumptions paper from from Tuma, your uh, your new colleague at uh, back at your brains.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've heard about him. <laughs>
0: yeah. So we did look at this. Uh, I think it was either last time or the time before. So I'm not going to go into it in, in too much depth. Yeah. This is a um, a new revision R5, and there's pretty minimal changes really most of it is just uh, some extra clarifying material that's been added up front just in response to some of the discussion that they've had and from what I gather it's already mentioned in the paper but the only real outstanding concern uh, is about some potential implementation difficulties with with one particular compiler won't mention the name because I'm not sure uh, we we should uh, talk about specifics at this point but um that that's really the only thing. Um, nobody else seems to be raising any other issues. So it, it's set to to go to the polls, which I think open tomorrow, and will run until the, the next plenary, which is going to be seventh of February. And all indications are, it's got a pretty good chance of getting voted into C plus plus twenty three. So that's going to be uh that's going to be a win. That'll be the the, the one part of the original contracts that uh, that may actually make it into C plus plus twenty three. But that said, there is actually another paper that's uh has just been released uh p2507 only assume conditional expressions so this is really a um well just picking at one particular issue in the portable assumptions paper which is to do with the, the type of the expression that or the category if you like of the expression that an assumption actually takes when, when you say that this is something that um, we seem to be true. You specify that as an expression, but in C++, there's different, different categories of expression, and they're actually arranged in a hierarchy. Uh, so the, the very, very top level allows uh, top level uh, comma operators, which are almost always a bad idea. So that that's ruled out. The next level down is assignment expressions, and that's what the portable assumptions paper uses. And you might think that's a bit odd. You know, why would you want to have an assignment? In an assumption, it doesn't make sense, but actually, it's because of this hierarchical uh, way that expressions are specified. It's sort of like the most liberal way of expressing or uh, specifying an expression. You can say, well, you know, pretty much any expression you can write is valid here. So you know, it covers all bases really. But the other way of looking at it is saying, well, let's have a look at the the actual use cases that we have. What type of ex- what's the minimum type of expression that will satisfy that, and this paper argues that that's a um, what's called a conditional expression, so it's, uh, it's a bit more restricted. Doesn't include things like uh, yield expressions and so on that we don't really have a use case for. So that actually sounds pretty reasonable. So why you know why wouldn't we just immediately do that? And, and maybe we will. The the counter argument is twofold. One is. The, the more liberal type of expression the the assignment expression means that if there are use cases that we haven't thought of now that are actually useful we're already covered so we don't have to to change anything but perhaps the more compelling part is that all of the existing platform dependent or platform specific extensions that give you assumptions today they all use exi- assignment expressions so really that that would be the the safest way of standardizing existing practice just to adopt that same category of expression so it's actually a good arguments both ways but in the end it's actually a reasonably minor minor point that both sides are willing to concede if it means we actually get this feature in, in the standard so this is not going to block portable assumptions going in that's still going to be voted on uh, even with this in flight and we can still fix it later if we, if we meet that uh, design freeze deadline of, uh, of february so it's good that this is being discussed just to make sure that we don't you know, corner ourselves once again, but uh, we we can fix this up later, even as late as uh, a national body comment um, after the you know the formal standard has has been approved. So yeah, it's not going to hold up portable assumptions, but just uh, an interesting uh, side there. I think. Uh, any thoughts on assumptions or conditional expressions?
1: Maybe more like a question because I see the option for the throw expression there, and I'm wondering Mm -hmm. how that's gonna work (laughs) in this case. The no.
0: Yeah, that's that's the thing is you have to think if you're going to allow uh, assignment expressions, you have to think. Well, what happens if you have a a throw expression or a yield Mm -hmm. expression? I think one of the things raised was with with the yield expression is if you have a yield within an assumption and that's the only place in the function that it occurs, does that make it a co-routine when it wouldn't have been otherwise? No. Oh. So,
1: <laughs> that's an interesting fruit.
0: <laughs> but then it turns out that you can have uh, an await in there, even if it's a conditional expression. So that's actually not unique to, <laughs> to yield expressions. So yeah, lots of little details like that. But that's the stage we're at, just arguing over those at the moment. And, and there are solutions to all of these. It's just a case of thinking thinking them through. Uh, for example, we can just say, and this is probably what we will do. We can say, you know, any of the the co routing keywords that are not allowed in mm-hmm. a uh, an assumption expression. So okay. it's a condition expression minus co routing tokens, that sort of thing. We just got to think okay. for all of those.
1: Yeah, okay. Because when you are saying like that, nearly everything is possible. It looks a little bit uh, complicated yeah.
0: <laughs> and scary. <Yeah. laughs> Okay. Yeah, we 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 can limit it in a in a more ad hoc way. Obviously, it's just cleaner if we say, yep, yeah, it's a conditional expression," and that's it, uh, and that that covers most of the bases. So I'm I'm pretty much in favour of of doing that, but um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: we'll see how that plays out. I think.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: Okay. Another one we looked at before uh, stood execution. So if you remember, this was the uh, the spiritual successor to executors, which had been going round and round for for many years. And uh, seemed to, every time it seemed to get close to being ready to to be standardized, it's like it all got thrown up in the air again. And Stead Execution came along and said, well, actually, that's, maybe we were just thinking about this the wrong way. This is a slightly different model that everyone seems to be on board with. There are some limitations, but overall, when I say limitations, I mean, it doesn't make everyone happy. Not necessarily technical limitations, but overall, it seems to be to be gathering consensus. You know, being such a big thing and being you know, having so much history behind it, it's never going to be easy to get this in. So I don't think at this point it's going to be something that's going to be ready for 23. Well, certainly not at this point, uh, but I think even a while ago that was that was going to be true. It's still such a big paper. I've not read all the way through, <laughs> so I'm not going to comment too much on the content beyond what I said before on this. What I will say is that the the revision notes for this one, they're actually quite long just on their own. There's quite a few things that have changed in this revision alone. Uh, we're on R three here. It does suggest this is still a a proposal that's maturing, but a little way to go yet. I think, but uh, it's definitely being actively discussed, and that's the, the important thing. Hopefully, it's not going to drag on the same way that executives did. We will see an end to it at some point. Um, and on that note, there is a another new paper which goes alongside it. It doesn't propose anything new. It's more sort of um, background explanation, sketching in the context, and what you need to know to understand what um, the uh, execution paper is really about. But it also makes a few points. I mean, the, the title, Computations, as a Global Solution to Concurrency. So it introduces this term, computations, explains what that is, and talks about it being a global solution, meaning, you know, covers all the cases that that we we know of. It's not like well, it covers these cases, which is what most people need anyway. No, actually covers all of them. So that's quite a bold statement. And um I just want to read a couple of extracts from it because they really uh, I think give you a lot more of a feel for what this is about. The motivation section near the beginning. It says adding a concurrency model in the C standard is not something to be taken lightly. It's not an incremental change. It's a major shift in direction, which hopefully changes the way C++ developers write concurrent code. And then it goes on to list all of the things that we need to get right for that to happen. So basically saying, yeah, we've got to take this seriously. Okay. The rest of the paper seems to be about that that context and background reading, as we said. But then towards the end, it comes to this general takeaways section. And this is really worth reading says we've shown in this paper that computations can be used as a general mechanism for solving all concurrency problems. We've also shown that computations can be used as a top-down mechanism to describe concurrency. Thus it provides a way for doing structured concurrency. All these can be made without compromising safety and ensuring the maximum efficiency under certain assumptions and ignoring the time spent in scheduling. Using computations and possibly some higher level abstractions, the programmer will no longer need to add locks into the code. This has the potential of freeing the C++ world from a lot of pain induced by ad hoc concurrency. That may be a bold statement, but after these results, we might dare to say that computations solve concurrency. So I think some some quite strong words there and quite um, powerful. Thoughts there. Um, I say I I'm not expert enough to, to say whether that's actually the case, but um, I'm really interested to see how that plays out. Do you have any thoughts on on the whole execution and this uh, computations paper?
1: Yeah, I just hope that with that many discussions going for years, I guess on the topic, when we finally get something or when we're ready to get something, we have. Uh, I hope actually for a good bunch of talks, you know, especially if we take the first paper when there are so many great speakers they are listed so that maybe they can do, you know, a set of talks about how the things are going to work for us. Uh, because when you have these discussions for years, you'll, you never know in the end what's actually mm-hmm. going to. Uh, be there in the standard because you've heard like all these you know options all these opportunities you've read for that many papers and then like okay what's there in the end (laughs) so you you just need to know what 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 are you going to use so yeah i do hope that they will um do a bunch of presentations on that and like teach us how to use what's actually accepted Mm. when when it's accepted or like right before it's done so yeah because um Otherwise, you know, I, I have a bunch of all these things in my head. And I, I'm not sure what's going on there in the end.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there'll definitely be some teaching opportunities, I think. <laughs> that does say it's going to be a big shift in, in thinking. So, yeah. Yeah. Just hope true. we get there. <laughs> so, from asynchrony to synchrony, we have synchronous coroutine generators for ranges. Now, we if this sounds familiar, we looked at a a different proposal with the same name just, uh, I think, last January. So just just a year ago. And it turns out, yeah, there is another paper, Synchronous Coroutine Generator for ranges, Different paper number. Uh, So the one we looked at last year was by uh, Lewis Baker, the author of uh, CPP Coru and uh, Currenting Jabou. But this new one by uh, uh, Casey Carter, you can think of it as like a fork Of the of the one we looked at before, because well we we looked at R one and I think got up to about R three in in April, and then nothing since then. I don't know why. I don't know whether that was going to be picked up, but certainly not in time for C twenty three. So whatever the reason, Casey's picked that up, and he's he's basically you you can think of this as the spiritual successor again to to the the paper we looked at last year, more like an R four or an R five depending on how you want to look at it. Now, I did actually do a diff <laughs> of all the papers <laughs> to see how much had changed. Um, and there's actually quite a lot that, that is in common, mostly tweaks to the examples and some new material added. So what, what this is, is, I mean, as, as it says, it's a stood generator. So for coroutines, one of the most important use cases is a generator for continuously yielding new values. Also, arguably the simplest type of co at least the simplest conceptually. But if you look at this paper, it's twenty-eight pages long. There's a lot of subtleties there. It's not something you want to have to to write yourself if you can avoid it. So, yeah, if you if you do need to have something in the meantime, Lewis Baker's uh, CPP co does have a, a generator library in it. But um, hopefully, we're going to get this. I don't know if it's if it's in time for C plus plus twenty-three at this point, given that it is a continuation of a paper that was already making progress, but um but we'll see. But yeah, it does strike me that uh there's so much to specify what turns out to be quite a simple type of co uh, any thoughts on that one?
1: Uh like but why is it a like separate paper? I mean like if that's kind of follow-up with that many things in common. Why it's not just the revision of the previous one or just because the offer changed or they disagree on something that the new paper is proposing? So what's going on?
0: Uh, I don't know any of the background to this. Uh, I can only go by the acknowledgement section on the, the first page here. I'd like to thank Lewis Baker and Quarantine Jabot, whose P2168 I looted shamelessly for this proposal. So... And then it says, this paper is presented as a new revision of their unpublished D2168R4, for Continuity of Design. So it sounds like there was an R4 in the works, got put on the shelf, and presumably because it's an entirely different person, he decided to to start again, but just take take what he, he needed from it. But uh, I, I don't know more than that. Just be speculation.
1: Okay. okay, because from what you are saying, it looks like that's d- the continuation like more more like an extra vision to what we had previously so with just yeah. some new ideas. But okay, let's let's see how it goes. Hmm.
0: Yes. Uh it would be interesting if the if P2168 does come back and they have to compete against each other. That would be name. a
1: conflict. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll have to do a merge. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Do we have good tools, you know, for making these for the papers and also to do some merge automatically on the papers? I mean, like... <laughs> uh,
0: I am mean, just an aside, but um don't, if, don't know if you noticed, but there's about three or four different styles of, I mean, physical layout styles for these mm-hmm. proposals. Most of them, I believe, are um, written in some markup language that tends to be stored in, in Git. So there, there are... <laughs> There is okay. the ability to, to do that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I don't know if all of them are. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, rounding out standards news, here's the first version of a paper we've been talking about for a long time, which <laughs> is an interesting thing to, to say. But yeah, finally, manadic functions for stood expected. This is something we have literally expected for a while. The reason being that the manadic functions for stood optional have been in the works for. For some time, and they, when they were originally pro- proposed by uh, Cybrand, they did say that these these um, functions would apply equally to std expected, but because we don't have std expected yet, they're not proposed. So now std expected is just in the final wording stages of being uh, put into C plus plus twenty three. Seems to be the right time to propose the same functions be added to std expected as well. So what are they? We've talked about them before, so I'll be brief, but just the ability to sequence functions that return stood expected so that all of the actual error handling is sort of shuffled off to the end, a bit like you were doing with exceptions. But it's done by passing lambdas or, or functions uh, instead of writing the code in line. But that, that's basically what it achieves. Uh, so I've talked about this in a couple of my talks on error handling. And certainly in the uh, dawn of a new era i uh, I joked that this paper or sorry these functions that we do expect to get at some point they are a proposal that hasn't been written yet on top of a proposal that hasn't been accepted yet, but we're now starting to get to the point that it's been <laughs> coming together so that's that's as much as I'll say on that, but uh, any thoughts on the Min functions
1: yeah, it looks just it it's closing the holes we we have, so yeah. that's quite quite logical, yeah to propose
0: that i I don't expect any pushback on this so it may may actually be in time for C plus plus twenty it is targeting it
1: great
0: okay so that's our standards use for this month let's uh, have a quick look at the tools it's not so much this month so hopefully we'll make up some of that time (laughs) do you want to tell us about embedded software development in visual studio
1: Yeah. Thanks, Phil. So uh, this is a new blog post from uh, Visual Studio team. So it describes the updated workflow for embedded development. And they're using the uh, Azure ERTA sample, which is one of the Popular embedded assets uh, So, and you probably have heard of these air tosses, like uh, often used in the embedded domain, like FreerTOS or Zephyr. And there's also this uh, Azure example sample they're using, like kind of obvious. They're using the Azure TOS I'm like expecting that from Microsoft. Uh, anyway, so that's the thing that uh, caught my eye was the very interesting approach how they um, quickly installed all the necessary tools because they have the vc package uh, manifest file loaded Along with the project folder, like uh, and then like the whole magic just happens because the V C package just installs everything they need because they have the proper manifest file in the folder, w- which looks great. I mean, like you never can imagine this in the world of embedded and C plus So that that's truly magical. Um, also, you you can learn a few tips on like the editing process in Visual Studio, like how you build, deploy, debug, and like do all the editing stuff with this code. Um, and the two features which caught my eye, mostly because we have very similar switches in c lines. So, and I was just like exploring how they do the things. So one is the register view. So if you have an uh, SVD file from the um, like uh, controller manufacturer, you can use this for uh, peripheral registers description to get the peripheral view uh, right in Visual Studio. So, and the other one is the RDoS object views. Uh, which you get also for uh, Ertosis and uh, they are also now added to Visual Studio so you can get some interesting information. Because like Ertosis is, uh, when you debug it, it's not just... single C++ application, you have these tasks there and you have some extra information you would like to extract during the debug. So not just, you know, watching some specific variables, but you would like to watch these tasks and you would like to watch some like um, objects and some specific information. And there are like uh, parameters which you can put to the config file to control them. So it's good when your ID can visualize that. So uh, we are actually working in the same direction in CLine, trying also to provide this views uh, for like for for your toss and you're in our case so and that's an interesting thing you can add and enhance the embedded uh, debug process for your tosses so yeah that that's what the blog post is about is actually uh, going through this uh, sample application and shows all these um, nice features available now in Visual Studio so if you're doing some tasks you can play with them so that's uh, all I actually have to say about that I know if you have any first film, or you played maybe with something
0: not not much i have fairly limited experience real world experience in embedded development but uh one thing i do know is that there's we we talk about embedded development as if it's this one thing but actually it's many 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 things they're all very yeah. different so yeah that's true it's a real challenge to to cover the uh <laughs> Yeah, and actually so in, the in the world
1: of root tosses, there are so many of them because when we started thinking about that, I was mostly thinking about the freer toss. Then I found out there is a fear, then I found out this, there is this Azure toss, so there are so many of them.
0: <laughs> mm. hey, you mentioned the sea a few times back there. What, what are the plans for sea line for 2022?
1: Yeah, we got some special announcement for the roadmap from our C-Line team. So if you missed that, you can check the blog post. So we actually decided to fully dedicate the C line 2022.1 iteration to bug fixes and making a an quality release. That's something we do with IntelliJ idea for a while and we decided like to fully focus on that in C line. So we are truly not doing any like new features. We're trying to fix the current workflows. Sometimes it involves adding some new stuff, but sometimes most of the time it's just fixing uh, the stuff. So we announced this kind of a roadmap if you can call it that way. So it mostly describes the Main directions in which we we gonna implement the improvements. So we have some long list of things to fix, which we prioritized based on the like track votes, based on the feedback, based on how uh, hard the case is, how popular it is, how often it annoys our users, uh, and other things. So uh, the major directions is definitely the new remote development workflow because it was introduced in the um, recent 2021.3 release, and it's Very, very fresh, and it has lots of probably like issues of inconsistencies there. We still need to address lots of cases there. And we started getting lots of um, valuable, lots of good and available feedback pieces on that. So I think now we have the actual background to fix the things because we know how the people are using it and we know what they're trying to use and what actually doesn't work. Um, And also, there will be a bunch of fixes for the tool chain in general. Uh, in C-Line. Then there is this embedded uh, development topic. So uh, we plan to finalize actually this serial monitor plugin, which we're working for quite a several releases. And we would like just to finally uh, put something to the uh, to the released version, and we'll keep working on improving these uh, RTOS views. So the thing I was mentioning while talking about the Visual Studio, so we also have these views and we keep improving them. And actually, there's a huge story because, as I said, there's there are these config files with many parameters. And when you're tuning them, you can actually... Um, like you tune them in order to get more interesting views about your TOS in, um, like in the end during the debug. And so we're working on providing this information during debugging and like tuning it and making it like work in a proper way. So there are lots of fixes we, we would like to introduce there. Um and yeah, as like also addressing several like top non issues in project models, in debugger performance, uh working definitely on Clang D stability because we are constantly merging. In the new LVM version, and that means that we, from one hand, we're introducing new things from Clank, uh, but from the other hand, we're introducing, you know, new crashes from Clank which we need to address and fix. Um, and yeah, the overall ID performance is still the huge topic, and there will be um, a few directions for it in this uh, like quality release. So yeah, if you have any, um, you know. Annoying issues which really bothers you—that's a good time to, uh, like, to bring the attention back. Uh, so just ping us in, you know, Twitter, blog, whatever, so you can find the channel. How to reach out to us? Um, so yeah, we'll try to put it to the plan, um, and who knows, maybe we'll address it this quality release situation.
0: I'm sure you'll be hearing from Tano. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we we actually have uh, a list of uh, quite uh, you know users who are dedicated to submitting lots of feedback, and that's actually good. I like that when we have the users who are actually reminding us about the pain points they they find in the product, because even though we kind of re- remember about them, it's still good to you know to make a point um, and to add one you know one more vote in our heads. <laughs> So we were also annoyed and like deciding to fix
0: it. (laughs) Yeah, I know you do do this from time to time, the the bug fixed focused release. I would like to call them the the snow sea lion releases after the the famous snow leopard uh, (laughs) release.
1: Uh, yeah yeah like but we'll see how it goes so we never actually did it in that intensive way so we had uh like releases which were mostly focused about the um, fixing issues and some quality stuff but at the same time we always had a few directions for the new things uh, added to the product so there also always were some uh, ongoing works on some major stuff but this time we uh, actually decided to uh put it on halt so we'll try to focus on uh, these fixes, and we'll see how it goes. <laughs> right.
0: Good luck. <laughs> Thanks. And with that, I think we are in danger of coming in on time. So just time to do a very quick and finally, which is again about us, and just to, to give you a little teaser to expect uh, a few changes uh, next time. And I'm not going to say any more than that, just that we're going to change the format <laughs> up a bit.
1: Yeah.
0: D- just keep you guessing. <laughs> so, yeah. Should be fun. <laughs> That's going to be the, the end of the show. I think we have uh, about 30 seconds if we want to come in under the hour. So I will say, if there's anything you want us to uh, to cover in the future, do let us know. Otherwise, we shall see you next time.
1: Yeah, see you.